Welcome to Livelihood, providing tactical and practical tips for women who work. I'm Britt Larson, your host. Well, today I am really excited to be joined by Kara, who is a financial advisor and mother of five. Welcome to the Livelihood Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad that we connected because from your first email when you were sharing what you would like to share with the Livelihood community, I just knew it was going to be tactical and practical information that so many women need. I personally am not the most savvy person when it comes to finances. So I will take whatever help I can get. And I'm just so glad you were willing to to come on and share your helpful tips. So before we get started and actually get to those tips, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself and your career. Okay. Well, I'm a financial advisor with Edward Jones and my office is in Amarillo, Texas, and that's actually my hometown. And oh, wow. Yeah. I married my high school sweetheart, and his name is Heath, and he's just adorable. And yeah, we married um, in 2000, and we moved to Utah to do our undergraduate work. And then when we finished that, we he decided to go to law school at Southern Methodist University in Dallas. So I got a job there at the university working in their finance department, helping people and families and students pay for this very good university, but it was very expensive. So I worked to kind of piece together people's finances and help them understand what their options were. And it was really a great opportunity and experience. And I just really loved it. And while I was there, I got a master's degree. And after he finished his law degree and his MBA, we went back home to Amarillo, and we're so excited to get back home. So then we had our five kids. <laughs> I love that. We got all these degrees. Sorry, I just have to say, you guys are so educated. And then we had five kids. That's amazing. <laughs> it was really amazing, but like, I didn't have kids until I was 30. And then we just had five kids, like boom, boom, boom. And the last two were twins. And so I decided, we decided that I would stay home with them. But once they all got into school, I was like, well, I'm bored pretty much. So I decided I'd go back to work. And I didn't, you know, I just thought about what I wanted to do. And I thought, you know, Edward Jones is really the perfect fit for me. And so I went and studied and got my Series 7 and Series 66 license. And then I got a job at Edward Jones and it's really been a really fulfilling experience and I've just loved it. That is so amazing. I'm going to really try to refrain from asking you how you balance having five children, having a full-time job. <laughs> that's not what we're talking about today. But I just think if you want to talk about that, that'd be great. But I, I think that's amazing. And I, it's such a testament that everything happens when it's supposed to. And, and turns out how it's supposed to. What a cool story. Well, I think so. And, and really it is, everything has happened in our lives just when it ha- was supposed to. And it's been really a blessing. That's so neat. So how old are your kids now? Um, we have an 11 year old, a 10 year old, a seven year old and two five year olds. 
wow. So you are definitely busy. (laughs) (laughs) There is never a dull moment at our house. I believe it. That's so fun. Well, you talked about your experience at SMU and that kind of being your first introduction to really helping people. Why do you think it's important for women to find finances approachable? Well, really, women are three times more likely than men to quit their jobs and to take care of a family member, whether that be children or parents. And so that that time away from the workforce really impacts their retirement savings or any other kind of financial goal savings. And so this can really take a makes it really makes them financially vulnerable and really to a point where sometimes that they're limited in the choices that they can make later on in life. Between 80 and 90 percent of women will will be um, solely responsible for their families finance at some point in their lives, which is just staggering to me. It really is. And, and there's two main reasons for this. And I love this because my grandmother, she was just the sweetest little Texan. She grew up on a farm and just, she had a, a very nice way of saying these two things. She said, there's, there's either grass widows or there's sod widows. And I don't know if you know what those are, but the first <laughs> Well, the first kind is a sod widow, and that's the typical kind of widow that you think of. And the reason why women are sod widows is because we live longer than men, typically about five years. Now, a grass widow, that was a little bit different. And that's, she just could not bring herself to say that a woman was divorced. And so she, she called divorced women sod or grass widows, and it was just the sweetest thing. And so... <laughs> When women are grass widows, it is really difficult for them, especially if they have taken time away from their work life to to rear children or to take care of uh, other loved ones. So this is really why I'm passionate about what I do. And I want to help women live without the fear of being financially depressed or suppressed. I love that. And I think something that you brought up that I want to ask you about if you have either an opinion about it or if it's something that you approach with your clients is that often women are told to get an education or to see their career as a backup plan, especially if you're raised in a conservative environment or maybe you're a first time uh, first generation college grad or something like that. And I feel so lucky that that's not how education was spoken about in my home. It was seen as a way to support myself because that was what I was going to do with my education. But I wonder if, you know, through your experiences, both in your job now and in the past, if you've seen that be a detriment to women. Well, I think that there's room for all, but I, for all different types of women and their choices, but I think that you have to plan for every eventuality. And Truly, with 80 to 90% of women being the sole financial support of their family, you have to plan that you are going to do that at some point in your life. And I think that it's very, very wise to use your education to, to plan to be the financial support of your family because you just never know what is going to happen in your life. 
I think that's a great answer. And I feel a little bit chastised because I hope I didn't make it sound like you should go to school and every woman <laughs> needs, you know, needs a really high paying career. But I think if you're going to go through the work and the effort to get a degree, I hope that it's something that you can support your at least yourself with, if not, like you said, the inevitability of possibly supporting your entire family. Absolutely. I I do. And you know what? It's so great. Technology is so amazing. When when my husband and I graduated from SMU, I spent two years working the same job that I had at SMU from home from Amarillo because they did not want me to quit. And I just worked it from home from a computer. And technology is really affording us the opportunity to do more things just in a different way. Oh, I love that. And I often say that it's the most exciting time to be a woman for that exact reason, because we, we aren't limited. That's exactly right. And, and Edward Jones has the same flexible schedule for me. I can come in early, early in the morning and do the work that I don't need to do client facing. And then when my kids are at school, I do all my client facing work and and then I can be home with my kids. And it's really amazing. And there's lots of really great companies that really recognize the value that women bring. And they're more and more doing that because we really do bring lots of value. Oh, I love hearing that. And I agree. I think it will happen more and more. I had a conversation that just feels relevant to bring up with um, a family member this last weekend who um, I don't know super well. She's like a second cousin twice removed or something like that. But she was telling me that she went back to work when her youngest was in kindergarten because she said it was less stressful to contribute to her family than it was to try and figure out if they could afford groceries every week. And she didn't go full hog and start working, you know, 60 hours a week. But I thought that that was a really interesting perspective and that worked for her and her family. Absolutely. I think that's amazing. Well, what are your top tips for women that are really just starting to focus on their finances that are kind of trying to make this a new priority in their lives? Okay. Well, I really, my number one thing is to start early. So you can start really, you need to start at any age, wherever you're at. But my number one is to start early and you need to do it smart. And that's an acronym for S M A R T. And you get a goal and you make it a specific goal, not a generalized goal. You have to really be specific, really drill down on it, make it a measurable goal, make it something that's actually achievable. Don't overreach yourself, make it relevant and make it so that it's a time frame. Give yourself a time frame and then get a financial advisor a financial advisor can give you tools and strategies that can help you work towards these goals and keep you focused. Okay, I just have to pause you because I love smart goals. It's what I do with my employees and it's it sounds overly simple, <laughs> but it really is the best way to refine exactly what you want and I have never ever thought about using that and applying it to my budget. So this is genius. Thank you for sharing that. Excellent. So here, and here's the plan. So everyone, this is the plan. This week, gather your financials and gather anything with a number on it, any statement, anything, gather them all up. Just do that this week. Just gather them up. Don't do anything with them. Just gather them this week. 
It can be a little overwhelming, so just do this week, gather them all up. Okay, anything with a number. Okay, in two weeks, create a monthly budget. Just sit down and write down everything that you spend in the month. Okay. In the next month, within the next month, schedule an appointment with a financial advisor. Take all of these documents that you've gathered to her. She can help you analyze these documents, create a goal and a plan. In three months, execute the plan. Just start one small step. Okay, in a year, just review the plan and see if you're on track. Okay, ladies, remember, you can do this. The sooner you start, the better. You can do it. Okay, now here's my next tip. And this, if you hear nothing else from me. This is it? The big one? <laughs> I love it. This is it. This is it. This is really, this is it. Fund your 401k or IRA. If your company doesn't have a 401k, fund your IRA. Not your husband's, your spouse's, yours. In your name, yours. Fund it and do whatever it takes to fully fund it. It's so important, ladies. Fund yours. Why that distinction? I'm I'm super curious about that. I mean, it makes logical sense, but um, say your husband has a match and you don't at your company, why not throw all your money into one? Because of what we talked about earlier, you never know what the future holds and you want to have your secure, your financial future secured, not tied to anyone else's goals. That money and somebody else's 401k is there just in a grass widow situation. You can kind of get to it, but not really. It's not really yours. That's so interesting. I've never thought about that. I mean, I always have had my own 401k because I was single for a long time before I got married and worked for a long time. But that's that's really good advice. With your work as a financial advisor, you've laid out these very tactical tips. And one thing I kept thinking as you outlined, you know, you only need to do a couple of things over the next 90 days to possibly impact your full future. And all you need to do is start. And I think we often feel intimidated by this process or it's scary if we haven't budgeted in forever. We know that those numbers don't look very good. Um, what mistakes do you see people making or the regrets that you hear about when they finally do come and meet with you? Okay, here are the two things that I really think that people regret. They regret spending too much money, getting into too much debt for college. Mm -hmm. that, I mean, that is a hole that they just, it's almost insurmountable. You ought to do whatever you can to stay out of student loan debt. That's number one. Yeah. And it, it is sad to see that that has affected our generation just so terribly and it, it's us back. So really. And, and the only, the people that are getting rich are the, are the universities. And it's just tragic to me. It really, really is. The young people really are putting themselves in a hole and really behind the eight ball. They cannot build wealth when they have that much debt on their backs. It's really tragic. That's so hard. 
Yes. And then, and then the other mistake that I see people make is they overspend where they live. And you want your children to go to the best schools and live in safe, good neighborhoods, but people live in houses that they cannot afford. That's the other mistake that people make. And if you really want to build wealth, you, you will live in a house that you can afford. I am so glad you brought that up because... I think until I went to go buy a house, I didn't understand what a temptation that is because you see what you qualify for and you think, oh, wow, I could get this kind of house. And then <laughs> you think for a minute, and in my case, my husband said, uh, yeah, just because we can afford that doesn't mean we should buy that. That's right. You want to keep in mind that the bank has an incentive to put you in, to give you a loan for the most amount that they can absolutely justify giving you because that's how they'll make the most amount of money. But the miracle of compounding interest is that just that, it compounds. So either you're collecting compounding interest or you're paying compounding interest. So you've got to decide, am I going to be earning compounding interest or am I going to be paying compounding interest? Oh, that is so brilliant and smart. And the first time you get that mortgage bill and you see how much you're paying, it's it's a big incentive to want to to live within your means and to try and get it paid off. So that was a big wake up call for me. And I'm glad you brought that up because I think that, um, like you said, you want to live in a nice place, but you got to be smart about it. Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to ask you another question I hadn't planned on. But as you were talking, I love that you said, when you meet with a financial advisor, she can help you with this. (laughs) And I just love that you automatically said she. Is there something I should be looking for or places I should look of, you know, this is what a financial advisor should have or be careful and weary of working with people who say they're a financial advisor but may not be? Do you have any advice there? I would interview... There's lots of different choices, and I would definitely interview the people that are going to be with dealing with your money. You're working very hard for that money, and you want to make sure you understand the fee structure and that you understand the philosophy of the person, because each financial advisor has a different philosophy, and each company has a different philosophy, and so you want to interview them, like really ask them questions. and really ferret out what they think about finances and what they think about debt and how they're going to plan out your money and your future. That's a great point. It just made me think that your philosophy should be aligned or you should admire how they view money because you want to learn from them. And if you're not on the same page, that's not going to be helpful. You're either not going to stick to the plan you create together. You're not going to trust each other. And this is obviously something you should really really just each other on. Well, thank you, Kara, so much for joining me. I can't thank you enough because this was just so helpful, insightful, and I loved how practical your tips were. Thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's just been lovely. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Livelihood. Please share this episode with your friends and be sure to follow Livelihood on Instagram and join the Livelihood community group on Facebook. You can always find more info and episodes on livelihoodwithaway.com.